This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Back of the Nest Match Report. I'm not Chris Hambling. This is Chris Hambling. I'm your host Chris Hambling. I'm Mike Scott and I'm joined by Patrick O'Connor and Nick Gillard as we look back at a small banner being flown at Selhurst that led to the police tweeting about an investigation and Newcastle fans getting very angry on Twitter and uh, some football happened. Right gentlemen, Patrick, um, you said you were tired, what's been tiring you out? Just life in general and I've got Dior having me work every Saturday doing a match report reaction, whatever he calls that show on YouTube so... Just life, but it's all right. I'm, I listen to the shows and I'm not on, so I'm not abandoning anybody yet. Yeah, good, good stuff. I mean, yeah, for for, for a young man, uh, when people say that people in their early 20s have no work ethic, DR definitely does. Uh, and Nick, you have a ridiculous work ethic because you've been on about 17 shows straight. Yeah, yeah, I have. I was just thinking uh, about nine years being Patrick have worked together on the show. It's a long time, mate, isn't it? We're no, is it? Growing old together. Is it that long? Something like that. Wow. wow. DR was uh, by the twinkle in the milkman's eye at that point. Um, right, let's get on to some Palace news this week. The under-18s, very unlucky. Uh, lost 2-1 at home to Birmingham City under-18s um, after they went ahead. And um, they seem to have a player called Pharrell Williams, which is fairly fairly cool. Um, we had a goal from Victor Akinwale. Um He scored in the 89th minute. Annoyingly, then Birmingham scored after that. So uh, it's it's stopped Palace going uh, equal points with the league leaders, Fulham, which is a shame. But still, they'll carry on marching, I'm sure. Uh, the under-23s, they won 3-2 at Pride Park. Derby pulled it back. They were 2-0 down. Derby pulled it back to 2-all. But Raksaki got the winner, so that's all good. Palace were eighth in the league on goal difference behind Leeds. Derby absolutely rock bottom, so probably expected to win that. Did well. And no Palace women game this week. Uh, the next game is they're playing Halloween. They're playing away to Watford. If there's anywhere Halloween should happen, it's probably away at Watford in fairness. Now, uh, one of you gentlemen wants to discuss Joby McEnough. So whoever that was. That was me. I, I was just looking at the uh, thingy that you've written there and I thought you'd just written Derby Rock. 
without seeing the bottom in 14th at the end of the half. Why is he, why is he picking Derby up? I, I mean, I've played a lot of times. I've played gigs in Derby and it may have rocked for a brief period while the band better than us played after us. But in general, it's a shithole. Joby no, sorry, that was terrible. Yes, Generations Cup, which I mentioned on the show last week. You did. Uh, to commemorate the 150th anniversary of the FA Cup. Joby McEnough and Mikhail Legionwood have been revealed today. They're revealing a couple of players a day. I'll go through who we've got already. We've got Darren Ambrose, Andy Johnson, Julian Speroni, Eddie McGoldrick, Leon McKenzie, Rudy Hedman, Danny Gabadon, Bobby Bowery, Bruce Dyer, Simon Osborne, Sean Derry and Clint Hill with manager Alan Smith and assistant Paul Stewart. Patrick, how many of those would be in your all-time Palace top 10, top 11, do you reckon? Um, top a- Ambrose, Baroni, Johnson for sure. Um, yeah, that would be it probably for the name that you just mentioned. Those three would definitely be the top 10 for sure. A- AJ, Dazza and Julian for sure. Uh... Yeah, that'll be it out of those. You know, it's good players there. I mean, you know, got guys that kept us up. Well, everybody kept us up because we were getting ready to get every year. And a couple of guys that brought us up. So that's, that's a decent squad. They better win it, by the way. Better win. That Danny Gabadon's an odd choice. You'd think he would have chosen a club he played for longer. But fair <laughs> oh, yeah, um, agreed. Yeah, Ambrose also absolutely storming on the on the radio at the moment. Oh, he's, he's so good. For big things, yeah. Oh, so I, I listen to talk sport every day because I'm retired and home. And I listen to him and uh, who's he on? The, the Tottenham guy again. Um, he does a lot with Darren Ben. Ben, with his, his teammate right from Ipswich. Yeah, he did, he's really good. I'm telling you, he's going to be. He and he's going to be very, very good. If he gets on, he's on Sky Sports a couple of times. Yeah, I think he's very, very, he's very intelligent, well thought out. He's not biased. He's he's really good. I love him. Agreed, Mike. Yeah, he made it onto the um, the drive show. I was quite surprised the other day, and and did himself all manner of good. So excellent for him, and hope he does well in that tournament as well. We'll keep you up to date with that. And when I say we, probably Nick. Right, that's enough of the uh, Palace news for this week. Let's get on to the game. Right, we'll start with a tweet from the Croydon Metropolitan Police Service. On Saturday, the 23rd of October, police received a report of an offensive banner displayed by Crystal Palace fans. Officers are assessing the information and carrying out inquiries. Any allegations of racist abuse will be taken very seriously. Now, have to assume that this is a banner in the Homesdale and not another random banner. Uh, but assuming it is, we all know what it said. We've all seen the posts. Let's get some thoughts. Uh, Patrick, tell me what comes to your head after me reading that out. Absolute waste of time. I don't understand it. I mean, I saw that as soon as I saw the, I saw it on TV, obviously, and then I saw about a thousand tweets of the banner, and I, I was all for it. I thought it was, you know, had I thought it was a really Ex, you know, just expertly done uh, job by the HF, pointing out exactly how they feel and a lot of people feel about this Newcastle takeover. So to see after or hear after that they were going to investigate it, I don't think anything in there. I mean, I mean, offensive. I guess what the, the guy was carrying did have a um a machete or a sword in his hand. It might have been offensive, but I mean, honestly, that was an absolute waste of time. And I can't wait for the the report to come out that they've investigated and nothing came of it. That was a, that's just that's a joke. And Nick, how was it in the grounds? Like what? what? It got received very well. It was a scimitar. Patrick was the uh, the weapon there. Got you. Um, got you. Yeah, it was received very well in the ground. And to be fair, the HF have always done that sort of thing. 
We've had banners about greed in the Premier League. We've had banners about Roman Abramovich saying we don't want Russian money. So it's no no surprise there was anything there. Um, I think the Newcastle fans didn't like having a mirror held up because before the game, there were fans walking to the ground, Newcastle fans, gloating and singing about how blood money is going to make their club really good. And I'm sorry, that's, that's I know not all Newcastle fans will feel like that, but you know, and in the end, Croydon MPS tweeting that has actually given the calls a lot more publicity. Um, yep. Yep. There was a Guardian bloke on the radio this morning talking about it, and it's it's absolutely everywhere. And I, I really hope that at Chelsea next week that there will be another banner. And hmm. um, I don't know if you saw on Twitter, but Proud and Palace um, also... Um, tweeted and did a little recording about uh, a homosexual guy that's been jailed for three years. Um, and that was done by Tottenham fans last week. And hopefully that will go from ground to ground. What what upsets me is the fact that there's so much what about going on from the Newcastle fans to try and justify mental gymnastics to justify it. I haven't seen any Newcastle groups saying, actually, this is wrong. And they're all saying, oh, yeah, if it was your club, you'd do it. But... Personally, I don't think we would. I was, you know, with the Gaddafi takeover uh, that was mooted, I wouldn't have gone. I would, I would have even stopped going if Paolo Di Canio was uh, no manager because of his fascist tendencies. You know, I think we're a bit got a bit more class than that. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if class is the, is the right word, but um, obviously there was a lot of back and forwards on Twitter. So it's half term as a single dad. I've got my kids. I didn't get to go. Lucky enough to go to Arsenal away in a week, but didn't get to go. So I got to see it on TV on a totally legal South African stream. Um, Totally legal, 100% legal. And they didn't show it at all. Uh, So I only saw it on Twitter. Wasn't a particularly large banner and it didn't seem particularly offensive to me, but um, it caused all manner of controversy. I'm sure you've got your own opinions and I doubt we're going to change them. Uh, We'll cover it a little bit more as the show goes on. Certainly a Newcastle fan that sent me a direct message. But other than that, let's let's get on to the game, shall we? You've, you know all about that. You've got your own opinions and good on you. Right, so somebody's put playing towards the Homesdale first half doesn't feel right. I'd imagine that Newcastle, one of the few teams that have actually decided it was worth their while causing hassle. But um, it certainly, it surely does make a difference because the ball gets asked to go in the net by a lot of fans in the second half. Um, and being as we've not been we've not been finishing games particularly well, it seems like quite a clever ploy by Newcastle. Nick? Yeah, it just feels unusual. Leicester did the same too, didn't they? Um, I don't know whether there's any psychology in it. It shouldn't make any difference whether it does or not. I don't, don't know, but it's just we've gone so long without playing that way first half. It, it just seems a bit weird. doesn't seem right. I don't like change. I don't like change. Well, let's talk about the first half and let's start with the uh, with the lineup, shall we? So, Patrick, I know we had a, a few words before the before the kick off when we'd seen the lineup. Elise in and Zahar not in. I think your thoughts on it were were, were sound. If you want to echo them now, yeah, I just felt like um, with Wilf coming off the illness, I didn't think it was a sound idea to start him. And uh, if you were going to start Elise at any point and reward him for his really great appearances as a sub, you had to do it yesterday. Playing at home against a you know a team that's not doing very well, it was a great opportunity. Um, I was 
pleased with it. I'm pleased for him because I think he deserved it. Um, I don't think Wolf was that bothered. I mean, I've I've heard seen or read comments about well, is it gonna upset Wolf? Why would Wolf be upset? Wolf has never Wolf wasn't 100 percent fit. Um, because if he was, I'm sure he would have started. And again, I just thought that you know it was a sound thing too. I'm actually surprised they didn't start Ayu. To be honest with you, because I mean, people have made comments about Ayu. I've heard you guys on the pod talk about it, but Ayu actually played well last week, so to have him start would have been. But again, at least they deserved to start, and I thought he did quite well yesterday. Yeah, I mean, I'd imagine if he'd started with Elise and Zahar, the triangle would have been sort of inverted. Yes. So. So I have two up front again. Uh, did it did it surprise you? Is is it working? Is there is there enough movement with the with the two of them? Do you, can you see them playing together, Edward and, and Benteke more and more? I can see it if you take out you know one of Maka uh, and um, or Luca. You, I don't think you can do it with, with the with the three with Gallagher, Luca, and Maka still playing. Obviously, um, I'd like to see it honestly. Um, you know, again, I similarly I saw comments about well, Edward's not a wide player. If you know Edward. He can play wide, and he's very effective wide. I don't know why people, it's, they have to, you know, get down on Benteke and say, oh, Edward, you start over Benteke. Why? Benteke's playing great up front. He should have scored four goals yesterday. So, but yeah, I, I would like to see us go with a 4-4-2. Um, if you know anything about, again, about our manager, he is willing to change tactics. I don't think I'll do it next week against uh, Man City. It would be silly. But I think at some point, you're going to see a 4-4-2 with Edward and um, Benteke. And, you, and you're going to see Olise and Zaha out wide. And it's going to scare a lot of teams. I mean, that does sound quite mouthwatering, to be honest. Nick, I just, I mean, this is pure conjecture, but how do you think Zaha feels? It's, it's not very often that he's left on the bench when he isn't 100% fit. Do you think he's been craving the chance to, to rest up and be 100% fit for games in the past when he's been forced to come on? Or do you think he'd, he'd do a Cristiano Ronaldo and sulk? Well, he wasn't sulking because he was smiling and chatting with people as he walks along the touchline. Uh, as the teams came out, and even more so during the second half, he he, he seemed really happy. Um, he didn't look like somebody uh, who was fed up with with being dropped. And actually, my main thought about it was how far we've come that we don't. He's not the first name on the team sheet, yeah. and we we didn't miss him. Well, well, I don't know if we we missed him or not because obviously you can't compare something that didn't happen with what actually did happen. But yeah, he he wasn't upset, and the fact that. You've got him to come off the bench. Your opposition's going to be shitting themselves, aren't they? Well, yeah. I mean, without getting ahead of ourselves, the one thing the commentator on the totally legal South African stream pointed out, I think it was Don Hutchinson, actually. um, He pointed out that it seemed that we'd actually got in a mode of thinking where we were playing down the opposite flanked so much by that point that actually Zahar was bypassed a little bit um, before we get your thoughts let's let's quickly get the thoughts of uh, Christopher Hambling I'm your host Chris Hambling yeah it's a fair point yeah um, but how, do you think that's the case yeah yeah perhaps um, what was interesting though was um, Elisa yeah a lot came down that side a lot lot came down down the uh, the right hand side in the first half uh, you were talking about Elise and Ayu earlier, Patrick. Um, I don't think that we... I, I can see Ayu starting next game simply because Elise wouldn't have had much tracking back to do against a very, very poor Newcastle team. So I think Great. that that was the reasoning there. Um, yeah, well, he's got rest. We, could, we can't play him all the time. And it just... It, it, 
it shows what an embarrassment of riches we've got in players now. We haven't even got everybody back yet. So, happy days. Yeah, I, I want to jump in on that comment you made, uh, Mike, about how we were on the right side. The problem with that is that whether it's Ayu or Elise, that player needs a uh, someone behind him to overlap. And, and Wardy, as much as I like him, and I mentioned this on the Match Reaction show yesterday on YouTube, that Ward does not get forward enough. When he does, he can't cross the ball. So I'm saying, to, I'm thinking we've got to get Klein in there at some point. Um, DR mentioned yesterday Ferguson is way down the line, but at some point we need to have a, a, a right back that can overlap and cross the ball. Because if you notice on the left side, I think in the, I think I don't know if it was the first minute I might have confused that or whatever. That Benteke header that just went wide um, in six yard box was Tyreek Mitchell. He's our left back or wing back or what you want to call him. So we get a lot more width and attacking in the left side, even with Edward and obviously with Will, than we do on the right side. And as good as Olise is, and his, and his intelligence, his crossing on the ball is brilliant. We need a right back that can support him better because Ward just doesn't do it well enough. And that's whether he's Ayu over there, Zaha or Elise. I disagree with you completely there. Apart from the crosses bit. Because if you look... Ward made 102 passes with a 94% success rate. We we had a lot. Okay, there was a lot of passing along the back, backwards and forwards, backwards that's, and forwards. And that's the thing. Nick, those but passes are not forward. They're sideways and backwards. We were, he was running forward quite a bit. I, I haven't seen his, his heat map. Yeah, but he had Elise there to cross the ball. And Gallagher was there that was crossing the ball. There were three of them playing, playing together in a little triangle. But when Wilf, but when Wilf and on the other hand, when Wilf and Tariq on the other side both crossed the ball, I mean Tariq Mitchell crossed the ball for the goal yesterday, and Wilf's crossed several balls. I mean, I don't, I know what you're saying, but my point is, I'm not saying he's not involved. I'm saying he's not involved enough where he doesn't cross the ball, and you can't just rely on just one person, which that being Olise, because if you know yesterday, what did they do yesterday? They double teamed Olise all game yesterday. If you had a right back to overlap and could cross the ball, they wouldn't, they couldn't do that, and that's yeah, the difference. Gallag- Gallagher was coming in to fill that role as well. When Gay was uh, getting forward, so Ward was one of the players that was staying back. So he, he perhaps he's not crossing as much, but he's still playing a very important role. Yeah, I mean, I think they're t- t- two different points. We, we, let's discuss Ward now. I thought he was absolutely excellent again, but that is, you know, we're, we're all aware of the, the shortcomings of Ward's game with that style of play. He, did, he is suiting Anderson and, and Gaye perfectly in that they're perfectly happy to pass at the back and they've given him a lot of confidence to do the same. And obviously he's a lot closer to them for a lot of the game than than Mitchell is, who's getting forward. But with Elise not having the backup, then him starting, it's going to make it hard for him to stand out. When he comes on when everyone's knackered, like he, he has been doing... It's a lot easier to, to to slot in and do something exciting, but exactly, abs- absolutely, Klein, Klein would be there. Um, it's whether we would lose something defensively, and whether he trusts Elise with Klein, or whether it would have to be if Klein was back, it would have to be Ayu, like you say, right. because he's used to, you know, Roy's right. drummed into him exactly what to do in that scenario. Tough one, a tough one. Um, but yeah, it, it, the the comment from the from the commentator was that. Wilf wasn't getting enough of the ball on account of the fact that all the balls by that point were going far down the left and sort of bypassing him. Interesting, no, it's not very often we bypass Zahar. <laughs> I, he, he got plenty of touches in the box, is what I will say. Um, and I think Newcastle actually defended pretty well a lot of the time. It was it was down to one-on-one. It wasn't that often he got past them. So, yes. Um, let's move on to Anderson. I saw someone, and I'm, I apologise 
I don't think they were replying to us. I just saw a tweet and I didn't make a note of it. That's slightly worried that Anderson is takes a lot of takes a lot of chances and does a lot of slightly dodgy things in a Sacco kind of a way. Now he was booked early. I thought he had a very decent game. Um, is anyone else slightly worried by slightly brazen attitude from Anderson, or is it that that game he had a couple of mistakes that's that's tainted people's image of of how he plays? I'm not bothered by him at all. Not even in the least. I mean, the Leicester mistake, you know, anybody could have made. And the Sacco comparison is funny to me. But when you got players like that who are, who are that classy on the ball, who can play out the back and, and and who can, you know, either drive the ball forward and or pass it forward, you, you're going to be worried. But I love the way Gwehi and Anderson play as far as out the back. My only concern with them, and I think Stan from Toronto mentioned on the show yesterday, is is set pieces. It's not that they're poor at the. I'm not because I wouldn't blame either one of them, but it seems like. Like, for instance, for on, on Monday with Arsenal, you know, uh, Anderson rushed out to try and cut down that cross and that left us exposed inside. I think just just we have to be better defensively. And again, maybe that's a team thing. But no, as far as Anderson as an individual player, I love the way that he plays. I'm just hoping that the Gwehi-Anderson uh, partnership gels a bit more and we can get better on set pieces. But otherwise, no, I love the way they play out the back. I'm, I'm more concerned when Gwehi gets the ball in the back than I am with the centre-halves getting it, honestly. i got no problem when he's on, has, on the ball with it. Yeah, I mean that's it's a that's a fair point. Before this round of games, we'd conceded more from it was either from corners or set pieces than any other side in the league, right? Um, which is, you know, I I would say that that's something that the manager should address first and foremost. Nick, obviously, at the game, you don't get the benefit of replays like you do on South African television. Um, was Anderson's booking soft or not? No, I think he deserved it. It was yeah. early, and we can go into the, that idiot ref later on, but no, I think he actually deserved that. But he, if he's going to do that for Anthony, he could have obviously booked some other players earlier on for Newcastle also. See, he wasn't, but I thought it was a pretty fair yellow card, if I'm being honest. Okay, fair enough. It's I just... thought the one that was unfair was Ward. Um, Callum yes. Wilson, Wilson didn't push him once, pushed him twice off the pitch, right. and, and, and him responding, he gets a yellow. Exactly. I think Anderson was fine. Yeah, was I that agree. the uh, moment where MacArthur was uh, confronted Newcastle manager? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I believe it was. Yeah. <laughs> What's the Newcastle manager's name again? Don't even know. A N other. Yeah, Graham uh, somebody. Graham, Graham somebody. Jones. Right. Uh, I mean, we've discussed him a little bit. Wanted to discuss the fact that Mitchell is coming on leaps and bounds as a man going forward. I, I think. We, we happily discussed him last season that his weakness perhaps was going forward and the reason PVA stayed in the team for some of the games was Mitchell couldn't do the things going forward that PVA could but could do a lot more at the back. Well, I'd say right now he's head and shoulders above most wing-backs I've seen in, in well, if, if you can ever call them, in red and blue before. And some of the deliveries, especially the one for the goal, were, were outstanding. What's happened to him? How has he improved so much? I, I don't know what it is, Mike, but I'll tell you right now, I am so impressed. And, I, and your comparison to PVA is great. People would make a PVA comparison. And again, he was good on penalty kicks and free kicks, but and he could score a goal. But he was shocking defensively, PVA. And if you look at, at, at Mitchell and whether that, whether that is... Last season, getting to play with people like Kyoto will talk to him, or let's say Tompkins or Dan or Cahill last year, wherever, wherever it was, or actually Andros Townsend, whatever it is, he's become so good defensively. But going forward, he's so good. And in comparison, look at look at Wamba Saka today. 
Wambasaka's gotten worse at Man United, which I never thought would have happened. He was such a good defensive player. I thought, you know what? All you got to do is get better, you know, going forward. He can't cross the ball like Mitchell can. And Mitchell's a couple years younger than he is. It's amazing the comparison between those two players, how much Mitchell's come on in the last season and a half and how poorly or just average Wambasaka has been in the last year. So, yeah, I actually love the way Mitchell... And then, again, I'm going to go back to the Ward point. Again, I'm not criticizing Ward. I'm just saying that if we could get the same kind of crosses we're getting from the left side and the right side, Benteke will score 20 goals this year, or Edward, or both. I was going to say, without disrespecting uh, the Man United manager, but actually I'm going to disrespect him. Yeah, do um, it, do players, it. Players aren't there. Man United need players that are fully developed and are superstars already. They don't right. develop players like they used yep. to under Ferguson. Mm-hmm. Now, Mitchell has got the space to develop. We've got Patrick Vieira, one of the most exciting managers in the game. And you mentioned him yesterday, uh, Ocean Roberts, our assistant manager, who isn't getting enough credit, I don't yeah. think, because him really and Patrick good. Vieira are in communication all the way through the game. Um, and you look at the training sessions on YouTube, we've got a, a tremendous, tremendous backroom staff now that are going to get the best out of these players. And somewhere like Palace is a place for a player to develop. They'll have the space to develop and they'll be allowed to make mistakes because we're forgiving because we know that these players are just coming through. Wambisaka isn't going to have that um, forgivingness allowed him or forgiveness allowed him because of the pressures of playing at Old Trafford. I'm sorry, and that's got to affect him in some way or another. Um, Wambisaka should have done himself a favour and stayed with us for another year, another two years, but he got the whole I'm Billy Big Bollock story and, and went on too early, I think. I, I do feel like Palace kind of wanted the 50 million quid as well. Uh, we, 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 we love him back for a third of the price. Uh, Zaha style at the end of the season, and that'll, that'll work out nicely. If, if Edward and Benteke both score 20 goals, Patrick, um, a couple of years ago, we scored 31 in the league, so that would be... <laughs> I'm sticking excellent. with it. I don't care. It's outlandish. I know I'm sticking with it. I don't care. Yeah, we'll probably <laughs> have a bit of a cut run. But um, yeah, you're right. I mean, the, let's get on to Benteke. Obviously, he hit the woodwork twice. He had a goal disallowed um, that a few people on Twitter said, you know, we were ignoring and it should have been a goal. I mean, it wasn't a goal. Um, nothing to do with him. Excellent header. Nothing he could do about it. He missed a couple of absolute sitters as well. He could have had, realistically, he could have had five. Um, so perfectly willing to think they could score 20 in a season if if he gets that kind of service. And if he gets it from both sides, even better. Uh, he was a proper enigma. He got man of the match. He got the highest rating on who scored. And yet he himself came on social media afterwards, said he's his own toughest critic and he probably should have won Palace the game. Real ambivalent thoughts towards him. He was excellent, but also very frustrating. Um, what what was it about yesterday that was classic Benteke uh, as opposed to previous seasons, other than actually crossing the ball in? I I just think that you know his confidence level. I mean, we've, I know we've spoken on this podcast many times before about how strikers need confidence, and I think. Just under Vieira, and then he, you know, he scored in preseason. He scored last week. I think he's a confidence player. And what people, this is the thing about Benteke, which frustrates me. People forget he was out for, I'm going to say, 
two thirds of that of that one season, and then when he came back, he didn't score. I think he scored one goal in like thirty matches. And people don't understand how how difficult that injury. I mean, Palace actually put a whole semi documentary on their website about how he was rehabbing and how difficult it was. And he had a great first. I think it was it was seventeen goals he scored with us. And some people just, I just think Mike. Some people just don't like him. So you say he's got scored five goals, yeah, but he scored. He actually he scored two goals. I mean, you know, not for Mark Gray he being caught by VAR. VAR he scores two goals, and yeah. he had a great side volley. The header he had hit. I think the header hit the crossbar. Obviously, the first. I think the charge you're talking about at the sitter was the one when I think he thought he was offside. And he kind of slowed down, took a touch too much, and then he put the ball by the post. You can't forgive him for that. The same thing Ayu did against Leicester, right? I guess, yeah, in Leicester first half. So you can't forgive him. But I thought he was brilliant yesterday. I mean, I, I talked with yesterday with DR on, on, the, on the show about how well he played. And he's like, oh, well, he missed his chance. I said, but he's, he played he played so well. And he could easily could have had, had a hat trick. I think he's coming to his form. And I think that, you know, having players like Gallagher and Olise and Mitchell and Edward out there to help him and obviously Wilf, he's going to do really well this year. I just think that people expect him to score three goals a game because he missed. I mean, strikers don't, I mean, unless you're Mo Salah, don't score hat tricks every game. So, I mean, I thought he was really good yesterday. I, I mean, I, I was so upset yesterday. I mean, even DR tweeted out, we should sub him off. And as soon as he tweeted it, you know, he scored the goal. But I thought it was really good yesterday. I think he takes a lot of flack for no reason. Not a no reason, but unnecessarily. Yeah, agreed. I mean, so you take, I'd say on average, you're going to have five shots before you score a goal in any game. Right. Newcastle, exactly. for example, had six yesterday and they scored one, which was an absolute weldy. And my point, I'll let you get in on this, Nick. Um, he looks to be a lot more in the game for a lot more of the game than Edwards. So he may have missed stuff, but he was getting head and shoulders above people for headers. Edwards played his part. And I don't think anyone criticised Edward for the for the way he played the game. So is Benteke just getting shit for the sake of it? Yeah. how? Yeah. I mean, those. It's, like you said, it's an enigma. He, it was a 16.76% success rate in shots and goals. So slightly below the 20% that you'd expect. Um, and I've seen people on Twitter saying that Edward would be scoring those. But... That's it's just how it is for Palace at the moment. We just can't we just can't buy that win, can we? And it's going to come for Benteke. And the fact that he's scored two, albeit one being disallowed, you've got to keep him there. Um, so yeah, but it's good that he's got that competition up front now with Edward as well. But now, now that Edward's playing on the left, I don't know how that's going to affect him. But it's 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 splendid to see and. Um, He's Wilf's best, best mate, so we've got to keep him there anyway, haven't we? So. Oh, he's not going anywhere. I mean, let's. Co- I mean, Hambo often talks about Benteke, so Hambo, quick word on Benteke. I'm your host, Chris Hambling. Yeah, that's a great point. It's, um, it's good that Hambo's been on these shows recently. Right, I'm going to uh, just get into a few stats. Now, I'm not really into XG, and let's be honest, even the people that invented XG are not particularly into XG, but I was quite interested yesterday about what it would turn out to be. So I went on Understat and I tweeted out, according to Understat, Palace had an XG of 2.26 and Newcastle 0.72. Fanteca hit the woodwork twice and missed two golden chances. It's nearly there, et cetera, et cetera. All the usual stuff. Palace Ash replied and said, I hate to say it, but we're playing like Brighton did last year, XG Kings. And then Stephen Cousins, my worry exactly. Um, 
not to say that XG is of any importance, but sometimes it just shows. I remember there was a game against Burnley a couple of years ago where we had like 29 shots and they had two. And we uh, we tweeted the the distances and where shots came out from. Sometimes it's just quite amusing. Did get a Newcastle fan, or a few fans in the end, um, take the bait. I don't know how they, they got hold of my tweets, but um, cheeky NUFC uh, with a Union Jack... Um, emoji at the end and a, and then a picture of uh, the House of Parliament with some Union Jacks on. According to the actual game, you failed to take said chances as you was too shit. So bore draw. Yeah, I mean, it is a, you, you, you kind of after four games and I, four draws, I've looked, I've looked back, I tried to go back as far as I can while I was waiting for the show to start to see when the last time we actually drew four in a row was. And I gave up looking. It's got to be a long time ago. Um, so a couple of seasons ago, we actually only drew seven games, and we've drawn six already this season. So yes, we've had some we've had some draws. They've not been boring, um, and I, I really think that it's getting a cliche now that it's almost clicking. Um, I hear people on Talksport saying, "Well, what's clicking? You've only won one game. We've still only lost to Liverpool and Chelsea. It is nearly there, and we were incredibly unlucky. Benteke scoring that second one." I'm not worried and I'm not trying to make excuses. I just, I think it shows that we're still playing decently and we're not upset. I haven't heard anyone particularly say, oh, this is a problem, this is a crisis. Both of you guys still happy with it? Is it going to come? So so here's the thing, Mike, you make a great point about, and I got no problem in the comparison to Brighton last year because what Brighton went through last year, there's, there's a one major difference. The first thing is obviously that, you know, Potter tried to change the style of play from the previous manager, and it's taken them a year. And look where they are now. Vieira's come in, he's nine games in, nine matches in, and we're trying to change it. The difference also is last year, Brian could not score with the XG. They weren't scoring goals. We've got two against West Ham, one against Brighton, two against Leicester, two against Arsenal, and one against Newcastle. Brian were losing games to nil. They didn't have a striker. I remember Mope didn't, couldn't score last year. But Deke has two already. Edouard's got three. You know, other players, Wolf's got, Wolf's got a couple. So, you know, uh, Gallagher got, got two. So the difference we're scoring goals. We're just not scoring four and five goals, which XG's probably saying or three or, or three or four, where they weren't scoring any last year. When each player scored two, they were scoring zero. So that's why I'm not worried about that comparison. Obviously, obviously, I want to convert these draws into wins. And I think it's going to come. Not next, not this week, probably against Man City, but, you know, after we've got some winnable matches. But I'm not worried because though I'm very frustrated at the draws, they come in a way that we are still scoring goals. I'm much more concerned about keeping clean sheets at this point. If we can start doing that, we'll win a lot of games 2-0. I really believe that. Yeah, that is a great point about the clean sheets. Um, and it, it mystifies me considering how decent our, uh, our backline looked. But I think it comes back to the set pieces. A couple of other stats. So Terence of this parish, who I had a lovely drink with before the Arsenal game. Excellent. Um, he said Crystal Palace have had over 70% possession. It was 76 for this game. For the first time ever in the Premier League game, the previous <laughs> wow. high was 68%. Wow. Uh, that's three times against Brighton, West Brom and Everton. I'm stunned that we have had 68. I mean, 76% possession. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It is. It, and there's other stats as well. We'll quickly have some 15 shots. Uh, pass success rate of 87%. I don't know if that comes back to the passing at the back a lot, but Dick's amount of dribbles. Aerials one left, right and centre, probably mostly Benteke. Um, you know, it's the, the stats are excellent and it just means it's fun to watch. 
Um, we, we don't need to keep playing on about it. It's going to wind people up. But Mike. Yes. Two of our defenders had more passes than the whole the team under team. Hodgson yeah. in every game last season. <laughs> I'm looking at the league table. We have lost two games. Yep. Okay. West Ham have lost two. Brighton have lost two. Man City have lost one. Liverpool are unbeaten. Chelsea have lost one. That's it. We have had a very, very hard start. Newcastle, the first team we've played that below us. We should have won that game. Freak of nature that we didn't. We were unlucky. We've had a couple of those. Or maybe not unlucky because, as we said, the set pieces, the, the second phase of the set pieces is what Vieira's got to work on. Um, I don't know whether we can get Tony Pulis on loan for a couple of weeks just to work on those and then uh, sod him off again. But look, <laughs> we don't have to worry. We really do not have to worry. We are playing the best football I've seen us play since Steve Bruce was in charge. And we played good football then. Remember when we, we won yes. seven in a row at the top of the championship? Yeah, I've still not forgiven him, as I'm sure most well, people no, have. I, I haven't forgiven him, but you can't deny that the football was good. It was very good. And uh, also, it does seem that we're the team that bicycle kicks are always popular to score against. Yeah, it was a freakishly good goal. All good, all good. Right, let's have a quick break and then we'll get on to some listener feedback. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, let's hear a few words about our sponsor, Manscaped, from Patrick and Dr. So support for today's match reaction show is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming champion in the world. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. I like the way that rhymes, by the way. <laughs> Manscaped just launched the fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0, all across the Europe, and of course, i got one here in America. You heard that right, it's the 4.0. Got to get T1, by the way. Join the over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code BOTN. Again, that's 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code BOTN at manscaped.com. So I'm one of the few people in the world, or first people in the world, to get the new 4.0. I actually tried it today. I'm not going to lie. It's, it's decent. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'm not one to shave there normally, but I did give it a try today, and it was, uh, it's, 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 it's refreshing. Manscaped engineered the ultimate groin and body trimmer by focusing on intelligent functionality and incredibly comfortable grooming experience. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. Didn't have one today, thankfully. Thanks to the advanced skin safe technology. I now feel confident shaving my boys and I was today. The lawnmower 4.0 
even allows you to customize your trim through additional guard lengths with size of one to four. Did I mention wireless charging? So again, I was having a problem with it. Hadn't realized the other that I forgot to charge it. So the wireless charging is excellent. The new wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction, which can help battery length last longer. So, so again, get 20% off and free shipping with the code BOTN at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. I don't know if it works, but some cars have wireless charging in them. So you might be able to, you know, oh, have yeah. the on the go. Um, on the go. If, if, you know, it depends on how active you are with your lifestyle, how, you know, <laughs> so you can do that as well now. So yeah, make sure to check out Manscaped. Um, great products. And as always, they always send us products and, you know, helps us out a lot. So make sure to go support them as well. Right. We've got a few forward reviews because we get people to, uh, we get people to stick them in and then no one ever reads them. So uh, shall we shall we go for a few gentlemen, the best ones that have come in? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay, I'll start with Sedlska Mike. Money has changed hands. Well, I don't know what's made him think that. Eddie at DM McAllister twenty eight can't defend set pieces. Richard Bellavance still unbeaten at home. Pete Carter, dominance didn't equal goals. I mean, it did. We scored one, Pete, but, you know. This next Twitter name is genius. Matt Tassel, but his Twitter name is at Depeche Toad. More draws than Ikea. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. TGH, at TGH316, post bar miss disallowed. Yep. That's Sums it up well. Okay. SF Jerry, I presume, comes from San Francisco. Um, not losing, not winning. Lawrence Rolf. Oh, this is harsh, Lawrence. We blew it again. Yeah, I'm going to do Jason James Maury next at Maury28, and I'll let you finish off with Lee Fanderson's forehead, Mike. Uh, draws will become wins. Yes, Jason. And Lee Fanderson's forehead, I fucking give up. Come on, Leaf. Let's have a bit, let's have a bit of belief in the system. Plus the fact, let's remember the immortal words of Big Sam. Respect the point, yeah? We've, yeah. we've got a lot. We've got a lot to respect now. We've got a lot to respect. <laughs> okay, so let's get on to. I, I'll, I'll read some feedback from Twitter from you uh, to you, gents, and you just give us a quick sentence on them. Yeah. So uh, we'll start with you, Patrick. This is from uh, the Evergreen Andy, the Twat nineteen ninety two. Seeing some nev- negative comments towards Vieira, I'm as frustrated as most. But do you think? What do you think he was going to do in nine games? This will take time. I predict at least the whole season until it's exactly what he wants. We're playing decent football and have only lost two games. Just chill. Yeah, I mean, if you're negative towards Vieira, you can be negative anyway. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not bothered. Again, someone pointed out yesterday that just take a quick look at the fixtures again, and you know, through nine matches, he gave us nine points, but instead of giving us six draws, let's say that we had beaten, let's say we beat Brentford. Um. Uh, lost to West Ham, lost to Tottenham, which you normally do, lost to Liverpool, uh, beat Brighton, lost to Leicester, lost to Arsenal, beat, and beat Newcastle. We still have nine points. So, <laughs> I mean, the difference is that they wouldn't have the six draws. So I've got no problem with what Vieira is doing. We've got winnable fixtures. Again, after Man City, we've got Wolves home, Burnley away, Villa home, Leeds away, and then the dreaded Man United on December 5th, who are absolutely awful. So give me December 5th, 
let me see where I am then, and then I'll then I'll make a, a true, not even a true, but I'll be I'll be much more ready to make a you know see how Vieira's doing. But right now, I've got zero issue what he's doing. I'm enjoying watching Palace for the first time in oh god, 20, 30 years, and I'm being serious about that because I didn't even enjoy Pardew taking us to the FA Cup final. So I've got no problem, and I'm actually really. I mean, the statue put out before about possession is ridiculous. We're playing. 2021 style football with the high press and scoring goals I, I, I'm loving it so I'm not worried about it I'm really not Right let's make a note to make sure you're on the pod after December the 5th then <laughs> Exactly <laughs> Simon Barnes um, and I think this, this could have been the title of the pod really Unlucky or just careless Nick It was one of those games wasn't it We we did, didn't deserve to lose we deserved to win it just didn't happen. Um, if we refer back to the Arsenal game, yes, we were careless. It wasn't unlucky that um, Kuwati's got Tobler and head that heads the ball in the wrong direction. Um, so, look, we're playing team better than us and getting draws. Uh, Newcastle were, were very, very, very lucky yesterday. Can I just make a point? When, because we haven't mentioned it, in the past when I've watched this play, it was always, give it to Wilf, give it to Wilf, give it to Wilf. And yesterday, I found myself saying, give it to... And exactly. I had a choice of Anybody. four or five <laughs> players that I'd like the ball to go to because they could yep. do something with it. It was Elise, yep. it was Gallagher, Edward. it was Mitchell, it was Ben Teke because he was running with the ball. And it was even uh, Jimmy Mack who was doing <laughs> stuff with the ball. When was the last time you could say that was happening? It will come together, I'm telling you. Yep. Fair enough. There you go, Simon. Terry Kelly. Vieira commented how well Benteke and Edward are playing together. Should we consider playing 4-4-2 against teams in the bottom half of the table? Edward is a number 10. Problem is we have Zahar and Eze Elise in the four, which leaves Gallagher and one other a central midfield. Portside Palace replied said, what a selection problem to have. Love it. I mean, to even have a selection problem is something I can't really remember. Um, Patrick, I mean, you touched on the 4-4-2. Do you want to answer that? Yeah, I mean, at some point, I, I truly believe he'll try, when everyone's healthy, that includes Eze, he's going to try uh, Wilf wide with Elise, with Edward and Benteke up front, with Eze in the middle, with either Jimmy Mack, Luca, or Gallagher. Uh, he'll do that. He will try. I, I mean, yesterday, remember, we had, we had Mateta, Edward, and I think Benteke on it at the same time. And then obviously we got the goal that was called back. But yeah, I think it's going to come. The, 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 make a good point though, Mike. It's a selection headache, which our men has never had before. But I trust Vieira to make the right decision on, on that. But yeah, I can see a 4-4-2 with Edward and Benteke against. I'll do it right now. I'll predict it will be versus um, Villa at home, Saturday the 27th of November. There you go. Yeah, I mean, it had not even crossed my mind before this season that that would even be an option. Um, yeah, he obviously exactly. thinks, thinks in a way that a lot of us don't. I'll answer this one. Uh, Leif Anderson's forehead after his forward review. What the hell have we got to do to win a game of football? Worry these missed opportunities will bite us in the arse at the end of the season. I mean, it won't bite us in the arse if you're talking about relegation. There's some there's some bad teams in the league this year. Uh, obviously, Newcastle are one of those and we made them look all right at times, but they had 24% possession. We'll be fine. We, we might not this season be doing anything special, but as we've only finished between 10th and 15th for the first eight years we've been in the Premier League, if that happens again while we watch better football and develop, then it shows we're going somewhere rather than planning and, and biting, our, biting our tongue thinking, oh, this is bad football, and then 
worrying that we'll have to get in some decent players to do it again next season. So at least it's helping with our heart rate. Richard Tate, Nick, did we miss IU? Always comes up, doesn't he, Jordan? <laughs> Always yes. comes up. Um, I don't think we did because we didn't need to track back. We definitely needed him against Kansas City, though. That's yeah, I think we're going to need more than judging by... I mean, Brighton cheered us right up after the game. Uh, we're going to need more than Jordan Ayew to, to get anything from Man City. Um, you're, you're going up there, aren't you, in, in DR's car? In the DR mobile, yeah. Be yeah, um, I might actually try and get myself a ticket now that I'm now that I'm free. I thought I had the kids and I don't, so I also have to get myself a Burnley out. ticket. You going to Burnley? I'm, I'm in an R and I might do. I might do. Well, if, if you're going, I won't. But oh, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> um, so Cav has asked, did not start in Zahar or even bringing him on at half time cost us Patrick? Again, I'll say no. I mean, again. But for, you know, Grahe's, uh unfortunate tug, we we went... Well, that doesn't sound right, by the way. Anyway, It doesn't. No, that sounds it, really, really wrong. Don't don't you dare accept that, Sam. Anyway, a, a f- unfortunate foul, we, we went to one. So, and again, you, you make a great point. It was an absolute worldy goal by Callum Wilson. I mean, we just aren't getting a break. I don't think Wolf changes that necessarily. I mean, we, we had plenty of chances. Again, we, we mentioned before, Manteca had, had at least four chances to score a goal. He scored one of those four. Um, and we had other chances from other players, but Edward had a couple of chances. But no, I don't think not starting Zaha cost us. I really thought Olise grew into the game and played really well. So I don't think that was the reason. I don't think you could have started him. You couldn't have benched Edward for Zaha and put him on the left-hand side based on how he probably played on against Arsenal Monday. So no, I mean, it's hindsight and I understand that, but I don't think it cost us a game yesterday, no. Yeah, I mean, he, he didn't. He certainly wasn't the player that changed the game after he... Exactly. He came on. Uh, Gaz Whelan just replied to that saying players are playing some wonderful football. So much bad luck of late. It'll come. And I will say last season we got some results we didn't deserve. Swings and roundabouts. JCPFC. Um, that's Jack. <laughs> Was Darren England and co paid by the Saudis for yesterday's performance? Um, yeah, I mean, the refereeing certainly caused all manner of controversy. What I will want to bring up, and it pissed me off because I saw it before the goal went in, Ward was fouled before their goal and there's no way they would do a corner. Obviously, that's not the reason we it was a one-all draw. And again, Newcastle fans were saying, oh, you're just bitter. No, it just pissed me off because we got VAR. He was fouled. I mean, what else? You, you Sum up the referee in a sentence, each of you, Nick. It did seem like he was shit. Um... There was a bit of a mob mentality in the crowd once he got going. Um, uh, how much are they paying you was um, was uh, mentioned quite a lot. Just going back to your last uh, tweet, Gaz Wheeler, music, is, was the drummer in Happy Mondays? I mean, I presume this isn't the same Gaz Whelan. No, it is the same Gaz Whelan. It is? Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, he- well hello there, um, <laughs> Gaz oh, Whelan. Um, I'm not old enough for the Happy Monday, so I caught the end of Black Grape, but um, there you go. Uh, yeah, Patrick. Yeah, as far as refereeing goes, the standard is, is just so poor. I just, I'm just i looking him up now, Dan England. He just got promoted to the Select Group 1 ahead of this season. It's his first year in the Premier League. He just get demoted back to the League 2 playoff run he did in 2017. He's, he's absolutely awful. I've seen him do a couple of games before yesterday's. I don't know how... 
this league that promotes itself as the best league in the world has such substandard refereeing. I know they had a foreign referee did the, I think it was the Wolves-Leeds game yesterday. And I watched a bit of it because I've got like four TVs in my, in my front room. And he was really good. We need to get more foreign referees over this country because the Premier League referees that are English or British are absolutely terrible. The standard is really bad. I couldn't name. I couldn't name a, a good referee. Not Atkinson, not Atwell, not Kevin Friend, not Simon Hooper, not Chris Kevin. None of them. Madley, Mariner, Moss, the Oliver, the Paulson. They're all terrible. Anthony Taylor, Tierney. I'm telling you, they're all terrible. We need better referees in the Premier League. We really do. A uh, friend of mine, Kevin Lyons, he's an architect and he's got the uh, place and director's box so he gets a meal and he takes clients there. Didn't have a client yesterday, took his daughter and they actually sit along from where the referee's assessor is and his seven-year-old daughter gave the referee's assessor what for yesterday, apparently, in the other <laughs> game, wagging her little finger at him and everything. So thankfully that did some good. Yeah, my, uh, my son was very, very angry when the second Benteke goal was ruled out. Very, very angry, angrier than me, which is um, which is saying something for a, for a seven year old. Right, I'm going to leave with one more comment, which I, I, it's a very interesting one from Richard Tate, and I think I've thought it before without realizing this is exactly what I thought. So it's crystallized something that has come to my head. Is Palace's inability to see off games a hangover from the head the Hodgson era, which we haven't quite got over yet? The mindset under Vieira is polar opposite to that of Roy, and maybe those from the Hodgson era haven't still quite come to terms with the new approach and revert into type. For me, the reason I've sort of thought about this before is I've thought, okay, so we're, we're used to being able to see out a game fairly well if we've gone 1-0 up, which didn't happen very often, but when it did, we we, we did well. And so... The fact that we're not playing like that anymore, people are worrying, okay, we're, we're more open and we will concede a goal. And on top of that, the fact that I think if I've got one criticism of Vieira, it's that I don't think he's quite understood how to show out a game. He's brought on defenders, you know, bringing Tompkins on for a, for a striker, that kind of thing, which seems just a bit too generic to work to me. So I can see what Richard Tate's saying. I'll probably caught you both off guard, but Patrick, your thoughts on that? I don't think it's that deep, honestly. I just think that no, no I, I'm not saying you, you, or, you or he are incorrect. I just, I just think it's every every one of the lack of seeing out have been different circumstances. I mean, you know, the Brighton game was an absolutely poor, piss poor kick out by Guaita, a brilliant uh, ball play forward, and a, honestly, I'm not gonna. I hate to say it, a, a really good finish uh, for Brighton. Um, Boo. No, I'm, I'm being honest. Arsenal now was, you know. Second phase uh, corner, and then you mentioned before. You know, someone said who made that comment about the Kiate header <laughs> being me, so poor, me, yeah. right? That was, yeah, that. And then Lacazette being there. I mean, I, there and us not. I, I, I really want to put it down to that. You know, uh, you know, just a hangover. But I just think it's just been just, just bad luck. And I get. I just have a feeling that that luck's going to change because in football, it evens itself out. They say that, don't they? It evens out over the course of a season. So at some point. We'll score three or four late winners and, and win matches, I hope, at some point. So, who knows? We'll see. Yeah. Nick, Nick your opinion? Yeah, as, as Patrick says, it's been different reasons. Um, look, it's going to come. We're play, we've been playing very, very good teams. It was difficult against Newcastle because they had so many men behind the ball and they allowed us to have the ball. Um, something that we haven't been used to having. We are only nine games into our new into the what I like to call the Vieira project. 
Okay. So let's let's just give it time. Saturday against Man City is going to be a free hit. And then we can move on with games against Wolves and away to Burnley and, and those kind of games that we should be getting the points from. So let's just let's just see it through. Let's not panic just yet. If you'd have asked me at the start of the season, okay, by the time we reached the end of October and we had nine points and we'd only been beaten twice, you'd have been happy with that. And uh, I know Patrick on the... Um, on his post-match show with uh, the uh, effervescent DR, I shall say, after hearing him yesterday, um, was you, you thought we'd have nine points now, but you thought we'd have them in a very, very different way. I think you actually went through each result, didn't you, Patrick? Right, if right, right. want to listen back to that. So I'm not, I'm not panicking too much. Vieira's learning. It took him 10 games at New York City, as I've said in the past, uh, right. to, to, to get things right. It's not going to happen overnight. Anybody who thinks it's going to happen overnight is fucking deluded. <laughs> you know, let's give it till at least next season before we start really, really examining right. it. We're no way like we were with Frank De Boer where it's all going tits up. We've got lots of new players in. They're all young. They all love being here. Let's let it develop slowly and brew nicely rather than expecting it now because it ain't going to happen. <laughs> You've reminded me I haven't set my uh, my new home brewing thing going there. Right, <laughs> let's um, let's leave it there. Thanks, gentlemen, for that excellent stuff. Uh, thank you all for listening to the show, and thanks in particular to everyone who got in touch. As ever, we read them all. We can't use them all, but they do shape the show. So please keep them coming every single show. Thank you very much. The preview team will be back with you this week, as we say, to look at the trip to Man City. Um, they deserve their praise for cheering us up in the Brighton game Saturday afternoon. But <laughs> hopefully we won't repay the favour. Um, and as ever, plenty more content for you across all social accounts, including our new Instagram account, which Cara is looking after. If you're on Instagram, please give it a follow. Be much appreciated at Back of the Nest, which is the case for most of our socials. There's a wealth of live and recorded shows over on YouTube spearheaded by the immortal DR, including instant match reaction and a chance for you to get involved if you want to. So yeah, just search back in the nest, like, subscribe and all of that kind of stuff. Thank you very much to Sam for producing. Uh, she clearly wasn't in the mood to produce, so I really appreciate the fact that she has, plus the fact we've fucked a few things up. So she's got some editing to do. Most of that was my fault. Until then, until then, until next time, come on, you palace. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. 
Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.